Welcome to the Orbit of Venus podcast. My name is Jane Archer, and I am your host. This is a space we will explore all the ways in which Venus orbits our own lives. Beyond just a planet in the sky and a popular feminine archetype commonly seen throughout history in cultures across the world, Venus represents all things beauty, radiance, creativity, embodiment, relationship, aesthetic, expression, what we value, mother nature, pleasure, and ultimately love. Together, we will dive deep into the many sacred mysteries, teachings, and topics of all things Venus. Welcome to the orbit of Venus. Welcome home. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, This is Jane, your host. And today, I really just wanted to take uh, time out to have a conversation with you. And I say conversation, I'm fully aware that (laughs) this is a one-sided conversation, but uh, the idea, the topic of anxiety has been coming through lately, and I really just wanted to take today to spend some time talking about it, giving some perspective and personal experience, and also offer up some really beautiful tools that may or, that may help uh, you know anyone out there who might be experiencing different levels of anxiety. So first and foremost, uh, welcome. I'm really grateful that you're tuned in and I hope wherever you are in this moment that you find yourself uh, with an open heart as we dive into this topic. So I, like I said in episode two with Dr. Sirago, um, dreaming, the dream space, the dream state is uh, very active for me in the last few years. I, I dream very vividly and most nights I wake up uh, most mornings I'll wake up and I can recall most of my dreams uh, as if it was real time. Sometimes it can be exhausting <laughs> going to bed and then living an entire other life in my dreams and then waking up and feeling as if I just, you know, had an entire day uh, of activity when really my physical body was asleep in bed. But <laughs> um I say all of that because I feel like there's probably uh, a large part of this listener base who also dreams vividly. And, um, you know, I've gone down the rabbit hole of researching the mysticism and science of uh, both sides of the coin of dreams and the dream state and the dream space. And it really seems that dreams uh, remain a mystery and that science really can't uh, tell us exactly what dreams are or exactly why we dream what we do. So to me, when the intellect uh, can't come in and offer a valid explanation um, or back it up with, you know, scientific reasoning uh, that is agreed that is agreed upon across the board, I think that's an awesome invitation for the heart and the intuition to step up and be like, I got this topic. So that's kind of how I approach my dream state is, um, you know, given I have like total dream recall, maybe not total because who really knows uh, you know, maybe I'm only remembering half of my dreams or a quarter of my dreams, but my brain tells me I remember all of it. I'm not sure. And I actually don't care to know. But um, I, because I dream so vividly and it's so constant, I usually don't always take them as doctrine or I take them with a grain of salt. Uh, I think it's just, for me, it's one of the ways that my subconscious processes. And a lot of times I will just 
Uh, it feels as if my the, the computer of my subconscious brain, it feels as if it's just uploading and defragging and sorting. And I experience that in the dream state of, you know, memories, uh, um, experiences, feelings, uh, all, all of it. Conversations will happen in that space. But there are times when I wake up the next day and I very intuitively and very clearly know that that was a message and that I need to listen to whatever happened in the dream. And um, I'm very grateful for that because I feel like some of my greatest teachings and and greatest uh, lessons have come through the dream state. And I find that when I honor them and that when I uh, listen to them, um, the messages become clearer. And uh, And so I can count on that uh, spectrum of reality to offer me uh, teachings, I guess you could say. Um, One of them being, I don't know why this is coming to my my mind right now, but I feel like I should share. Um, My father passed away uh, in 2014 or 15. I'm not sure the years blend together, but uh, he passed away and... um, he was a very like intuitive man. And, uh, before he passed, he told my brother and I that, you know, to, to look out for signs that he would have conversations with us. And, uh, he's was very connected to nature. And so, um, a way that he would connect to nature or that, uh, he kind of taught my brother and I growing up, like how to, how to spot, uh, hawks and eagles. And where I grew up in Reno, Nevada, there are a lot of hawks and eagles and, Um, my dad was always teaching us facts and we'd be driving in the car and he'd be able to spot a uh, hawk like literally uh, like two miles away he would spot it so I feel as if uh, we inherited that that trait of being able to see uh, hawks in the wild and so ever since he passed and he would collect feathers and um uh and also just like the presence of hawks and eagles to me there's something so mystical and so otherworldly about about their frequency and about their presence that is for me it just captivates me like I could stare at hawks and eagles all day long (laughs) I probably sound like a complete nerd but um after he passed I started having a lot of experiences where hawks or eagles would uh come into my reality and um not just in dreams I mean like in my everyday living um where I would be able to spot them almost instantaneously I'd be sitting at a restaurant you know in a cityscape and if there was a hawk in a tree nearby it was as if my eyes were magnetically drawn to that tree uh to the space where the hawk is and so I know that um uh, I, I can count on that usually being my dad Uh, or a message will come through shortly after I'm like, oh, okay. Usually it's like a shorthand I have with my dad's spirit that to pay attention, that there's something going on that I need to collect and put in my pocket. And so uh, I digress, but um, there was a time where I wasn't really experiencing any of that. I think it was like a few months. It might've been a chunk uh, a couple years ago. And I was just experiencing a lot of... um, like longing and sadness around my dad. And uh, I remember one night I had this dream and it was the most, I actually don't even think it was a dream. I think it was another realm or another dimension, but um, I was in my childhood home and my father appeared and it was him. And it was him like through and through, like I could smell him. Uh, It was as if he was standing in front of me and He called my name and I could hear it so vividly and I went up to him and he gave me the hugest hug. It was as if like, 
And my dad was like a big guy. And so like when he'd hug you, it was like a bear hug. And he just gave me like the hugest hug. And at first it was weird. Like in my dream before I knew he was there, I felt cold. Like I I felt very cold. And, um, and I think I've heard people say that like before spirit comes around, like sometimes the, the temperature can drop and I felt like hyper cold. And then like, I physically felt cold. And then, um, I remember he came up to me and he appeared and it was him and, and he looked so happy and so healthy and he gave me, and I could feel him and he gave me, I could smell him. I could feel him, everything. And he just gave me this huge hug. And, um, I was crying in my dream cause it was so real cause I had missed him. And I, you know, I think that any of us, when we, when a loved one passes that missing, that longing will never go away. <laughs> Time does not erase the longing of the heart. Uh, unfortunately, um, so I, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, but there was like this deep thirst was, was quenched in that hug. And I woke up the next morning and, oh my God, I had like electric energy for a few days. I just had so much, uh, it was as if I was running on a high and, um, it really felt as if that dream space was not a dream that, you know, my consciousness and his consciousness met up and he, he met me in that in that space and it was so beautiful. So I really do find that the dream space can be very healing and it can be a stage or a platform for us to communicate with different parts of ourselves, with, with loved ones that have passed, uh, with future parts of ourselves, with past parts of ourselves. Um, and yet I am still an infant in this territory of knowledge because I feel like uh, it's something that cannot be explained with the mind. So I stay a forever student of dreams. Um, but I also like to ground it in reality. (laughs) So, uh, take what you like and leave the rest. But the reason I am speaking of dreams and giving examples of the healing powers of them today is, uh, you know, if you're alive in this time, like I've been saying on the last couple of episodes, you definitely feel as if time, I'm sure you can probably pick up on this or relate to the, the, the idea that time is speeding up and that the temperature in which we are all Uh, the temperature of life is getting turned up and it's as if everything is fastening. And, um, you know, we're seeing it reflected just in our, in our lifestyles today, 2020 compared to our lifestyle five years ago, or even 10 years ago, there is a different velocity as to which, uh, we are all operating, interacting, experiencing, no doubt. And, you know, you can call it technology. You can call it just a quickening of the times. It seems as if time is fast passing way faster. And it's just like this clip that we're all having to adjust to and speed up with. And the ones that are not wanting to speed up and are not wanting to adjust to this fastening of life, uh, I, I'm observing are having a harder time um, catching up or just having a harder, they're feeling as if life is dragging them versus really riding the wave of this intense time in history that we're all in presence. And it wasn't a God figure per se, it was, or a human outside of me. It was more like this energy I was standing next to, um, like this intelligence, this presence of love. But, uh, it was as if that presence was the teacher and I was the student. So there was a relay happening and, I was in a space of receiving the information that this presence was giving me. And the information was, I started to experience 
all the real headlines that I had been reading in the last, you know, couple of months, weeks, whatever, it was as if it was a movie trailer in my consciousness or in my brain that I was experiencing very really, very intensely uh, in this dream. And it was like quick clips. It wasn't like I wasn't spending too long in any headline, but it was like they were all flashing uh, across my brain and I was absorbing them and seeing them. And then they started to go faster and faster and it started to overlap on top of each other. And then after some time, it started to feel as if it was um, a theatrical performance. It didn't feel like it was real. It was as if uh, this presence was teaching me that this was nothing but a play. And, um, and then it paused, it stopped like the recording of all of these crazy headlines and all of these like sensationalized, uh, journalists and hysteria and just images and like words, um, that I had been, I think really that my subconscious had been downloading, uh, you know, just by being alive in the last month or so. And, um, just with everything that I've been reading and hearing. And it was like this presence, like I said, just press stop. And the whole thing just like it was as if the record stopped. And then it picked up this uh, heavy like um, imagery out of my brain and it stopped it. And it was like a layer was peeled off. And then it started and then it hit play again. And all of that like fragmentation of like news headlines and, uh, you know, world issues were paused and like removed as if it was changing the record. And then below it, uh, it just started, it hit play again. And this most benevolent, uh, melodic, incredible music started playing. And it, and I was looking around in my dream and I was wondering where the sound was coming from. And it was, it was, um, it was like nothing I had ever heard before, but if I had to describe it, it sounded like classical music, like this most, it was just so, beautiful and purposely orchestrated, but at the same time, not, uh, it was more, I, I can't really describe it. And so, um, and I was looking around and, but then I was like looking around even harder and I, and this, this presence was showing me, this is a silent sound. And what I mean by silent sound is it, I was hearing this music, but I wasn't hearing it from my ears. I, it was like a silent music from within, and it was a very real uh, sound. And um, so I was picking up on this, and and um, I think what the presence was showing me is that this music is always playing, and it's always available, and it can't be heard by the ears alone. It has to be heard by our beings and by our hearts. And it was showing me that it's always playing. It's always there, but that if I get caught up in the chaos and the fear and the white noise static of media and propaganda and not to get like all, you know, conspiracy theory on us, but truly like all of these uh, flashes of news source and whatever it is, the, the, the stimulus of being alive in the present day, if I stay up there on the surface where it is most choppy, most windy, then I'm going to be missing the music that's below and that's beneath that only the inner ear can hear. Um, and then, uh, but it wasn't like it was, uh, playing the crazy headlines and then playing the music. It was as if the music was always there, but playing underneath all of the craziness. And so I woke up the next morning and there was more to the dream, but that was like the main huge takeaway. And I woke up the next morning and I felt a sense of calmness and I was like, interesting because 
Something that is one of my deepest passions is the science of sound. And I have worked with, and I'm definitely going to have people on here in the future to break down the science of sound, uh, the technology, the healing sciences of sonar sounds, like the the sonic frequencies all have different lineages on because the yogic sciences use sound and mantra um, to heal. And it's something that I've used myself and um, the sound frequencies I find can just be like this incredible realm of unlocking and tapping into an access to different parts of me. Um, and that probably sounds very esoteric right now, but I, like I said, I promise to have people on in the future to like uh, bring it, like to ground it so that our intellects can digest it. Um, so I've always, like I said, because I've been obsessed with this uh, idea of sound as a, as a healing science and a healing technology, um, I have uh, heard different teachers in different ways uh, speak about the sound uh, or the science, or I'm sorry, the silence in the chaos. And that there's always, silence is always there, even in the music. And it's a practice I've been playing with, or, or like it's a really, really simple practice. Like next time you find yourself in a really chaotic, crazy environment, or maybe at a concert or, a, you know, a noisy restaurant or a coffee shop or whatever, uh, pause for a hot second and just tune into the silence all around. The silence that is literally holding all of that noise. And there is a very through and through silence that holds it all together. And on the flip side, there is a music in the silence there that only the inner ear can hear. And what I mean, I think inner ear might drum up something or like a recognition or a, a knowing within you when I say inner ear. So I don't want to define it too much, but we all have an inner ear and inner witness. And even as I sit here and speak these words and, it, you know, there's noise in my head and I can hear the vibration of the sounds being echoed in my head um, and I can feel my thoughts and it's an experience there's also a tiny little space or a degree over where I am witnessing myself saying these words. I am witnessing myself hearing myself. It's tiny, tiny for me. It's, it, I experience it as like this tiny little window. And that I think was the message of the dream is that no matter how crazy it gets and no matter how obscene and windy the environments can be, uh, I keep saying windy, but it feels as if we're just in windy times and um, that there is always this little window of observation of witness that we can all access. And in that observation, there's a music to the silence. And in the most chaotic times, there's a silence to the chaos. And so this is what I took away from that. And then I have been really, and I'm saying all of this because I feel with, and it will all tie up here soon because with the topic of anxiety, I think, like I said, this is a weather, like a weather pattern that we are collectively experiencing. Just the topic of tenseness. It's just like when a weather system moves through, you can feel that the pressure shift and it does you know, physiologically have an effect on our, on our physical being. I think that when weather systems move through the collective consciousness, that it can have an effect on our operating system of the human experience. And there's so many layers to us, um, mental, emotional, you know, physical, spiritual, all of it. We have so many layers. We're like this multi-layered cake and it like ripples through all of us, uh, and all layers of us. And, um, one of those ripple effects is anxiety. And 
I wanted to speak to it because I feel as an, uh, an empath, and I th- I'm sure we have a lot of empaths listening in or people who identify with that title, I guess. Um, you know, it's common, I'll speak for myself, it's common for me to, to experience and process uh, other people's emotions as though they are my own. And uh, a great uh, tool that I have been using lately, or just not even a tool, is um, like, because people pleasing is a really big thing for me. And uh, it's like a, something I've been working with. And <clears throat> I'm very much aware that I have this pattern within me to want to people please. And I think it's, you know, I think it's a natural state of a lot of empaths is that we want to keep things status quo. We don't want to rock the boat. <clears throat> we want people to be comfortable around us um, because if, if people are comfortable around us and if we're if we're prone to feeling other people's feelings, we want their feelings to feel fucking good. You know, like, sorry for the F-bomb. Like, we don't want to be having the people around us feel crazy because then, you know, naturally, subconsciously or... Uh, you know, being an empath, we're going to feel those feelings. So it makes sense, right? It's like a state of survival. However, uh, I feel as if in this present day, a lot of us are getting stronger and we're becoming more aware and we're allowing more of our, of our innate intelligence to come online. And I'm not saying that we're getting more intelligent because I feel like we are these incredibly intelligent beings, but we are actually coming more online. We're turning more lights on in the house of us that have always been there and that have always been available. It's just simply like we're going around and turning on lights. And so therefore, more of our awareness is getting turned on. And so we are recognizing that, ah, like people, I am sovereign. Uh, I am my own, I am my own uh, spaceship in this realm of life. And that person who is sitting across from me that I may, you know, deeply love and uh, have compassion for and feel connected to, they are their own sovereign piece of experience of human life. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's knowing where I begin and where I end and where they begin and, and they end. And it's simply having this this uh, interface be a little bit different. So I don't have to walk into a room and take everybody else's temperature around me to tell me how I'm feeling. As more and more of us gets turned on and lit up, uh, with our own intelligence and with our own awareness, we are not so dependent upon other people to tell us how we should feel or what we're thinking or feeling. So this is the, <laughs> this might sound like complete gibberish, but whatever, uh, roll with it. The, the reason I'm speaking to this is that oftentimes as an empath, the anxiety that we feel is not always our own. Sometimes it's just simply the collective consciousness is going through a shitstorm and we're having to feel these feelings. And a lot of times it can feel as if it's our own or that we did something wrong. And if you're like me, you want to diagnose, you want to understand, you want to know the process behind, you want to figure out why you maybe are feeling a certain way. And guess what? Sometimes there is just no logical intellectual way to break it down other than this is just not only mine. And this is just a collective weather system moving through. And what's the best thing to do when a storm moves through? To take shelter to go inside, to stay warm, to shut the windows. And so I do that. It's like a daily high, you know, it's like, it's like keeping up with like your spiritual hygiene or your mental hygiene to keep yourself safe and clean 
and have your windows shut when there's a storm outside. And for me, that looks like my daily practices. It might be, you know, taking a bath, like a saltwater bath. It might be getting extra rest and literally going to bed at eight o'clock at night. It might be turning my phone off. It might be drinking more water instead of coffee. For me, like too much uh, caffeine will really spike my anxiety and tell me all these kinds of crazy things throughout the day. And then, you know, thinking that like all this shit's coming up to be healed, but really if I boil it down, it's actually just that I had one too many cups of coffee in the morning. It can be as simple as that. Uh, I think that with the wellness wave, a lot of us um, are like the wellness wave, meaning like the collective wellness movement. Uh, It wants to dissect everything and it wants to blame everything on the inner child. And because the moon is in this sign this month or Mercury is in retrograde, like it's a shit storm when sometimes it could just be a a really simple explanation of maybe you're just tired or, you know, maybe you're coming down with something or um, maybe you had too much caffeine you know, and if you're a woman, maybe it's a different part of your cycle or whatever, or maybe you're around people who are hyper stressed and you're picking up on that emotions and feelings are also contagious, right? So it's just like, you don't go to work when you have, when you're like, you know, in bed with the flu. Um, I try to think like, it's, it's my responsibility. I might be experiencing, you know, just like a shit storm internally, right? Of all the emotions and I might be processing something. But when I'm in that state, I try to be, I'm not always, but I try to be cognizant and aware of where I'm taking that because energy is contagious and we are all connected. So if I enter into my into my workspace with that field around me, other people are going to pick up on it subconsciously or consciously. It might be very, you know, viscerally felt. And so they'll start to absorb it. And then it's like, it's like starting a wildfire. So I think that there are ways that we can all uh, start to turn on and have more responsibility for our energetic fields and the the stuff that we bring. Um, But the reason I wanted to speak about anxiety is uh, and that dream is because uh, I I believe that for some of us uh, and most of us who are listening, we have these tools. We have a plethora of tools, whether it's uh, a spiritual practice, whether it's, you know, maybe you go to therapy, maybe you have uh, practices or um, activities that you do to self-soothe um, or self-growth or expansion. You know, I think it's it's very common nowadays. People have like their physical practice, like they go to the gym or they exercise or they do yoga or they go on walks. And a lot of us now we have like our internal practice. So I feel like it's um it's important for us that as we get stronger internally, that it's really important for us that have those that awareness, that language set, that set of tools that helps us to stay locked in and consciously aware of the grid of light, like I keep saying, or of this undercurrent of of light and of grace that we are all plugged into. And no matter how fucking crazy it gets on the surface uh, in our external worlds, that we take responsibility for staying connected, grounded, anchored into that place within us. And for everyone, it can be different. I'm not saying it has to be any, you know, it doesn't even have to be called the light, but something, our hearts, our truth, uh, to find that space within us, that witness, um, that no matter what stays constant. 
because the only constant in this world seems to be change. Everything is always changing. Emotions change, physical bodies change, relationships change, people come in and out of our lives. The days change, the weather's change, the seasons change. Uh, Everything is always changing. And so in this state of everlasting change, there, there is a state of constant and we all, I, I feel like we all have the responsibility and we all have the, um, the adventure to find that state of constant within ourselves. So I say that because I think it's important that we stay tuned into, or we find ways to stay tuned into that, into that frequency or into that truth, that rock to stay tethered to that rock. That's been a practice for me. And it's been like, it has literally been, uh, non-negotiable specifically in the last year or two, it's been like a non-negotiable thing. Um, come rain or shine, I have to I have to tune in somehow every single day. Uh, even if that's just me getting on my knees in the morning and bowing down to the unknown. Um, I have to do that. Or it can be, you know, me sitting down for 20 minutes to do breath work. Um, or even just having like an inhale and an exhale and connecting to my source. If I don't, I have to have like that daily maintenance, that daily hygiene as though just as much as I do brushing my teeth twice a day. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, you know, these times are ripe to become victims. (laughs) Now, look, I feel like I don't want this to ever feel like uh, a preaching platform ever, but I also... Um, I'm sharing these, uh, these teachings, these, uh, perspectives from my own, uh, from my own experience. And so, you know, like I always say, take what you like and leave the rest, but it's easy nowadays, uh, for me to turn on the news or to just tune in to what everyone else around me is feeling and to feel like a victim, like, holy shit, it it can be really easy to want to spiritually bypass or to feel apathetic, hopeless, like what is the point of even trying right now because everything is sinking. It can feel like that, right? But that's like one side of the spectrum. And I think that our brains, depending on how mature we are in uh, how we can d- discern what's coming at us, right? We have this constant stream of information being thrown at us. Um, and we can either get, we can either be drowned in that wave of information that we are literally bombarded with every single day, or we can start to have a more mature vision, uh, experience of this wave coming at us and know how to maneuver it, uh, very methodically and, um, rise above the fray, I guess, or rise above the static and know what's real and maybe what's not real and find what works for us. So something I've been reflecting on lately is the idea of light, that the brighter the light, the bigger the shadow. And I don't mean shadow to be like a negative thing. I just mean like, you know, in the spectrum of light, if there's a bright light, there's going to be a bright shadow or uh, the opposite of that. It's it's like with one comes the other. And I think right now the, the earth, our, our current state can feel as if, holy shit, like the shadow uh, the stuff that has not not necessarily the negative when I say shadow, it's just the stuff that has not been uh, brought to the light is we're seeing how much is hiding in the shadows right now. And it's, it's like very obvious. It feels like uncomfortable, scratchy. But if we're focusing just on the shadow, there's a part to that that we're not, that we're not focusing on and that is the light. And I think that with the fastening of life, 
with the rise of the chaos lately and, you know, enter an X, Y, or Z headline, it feels like we're effed. (laughs) And, uh, but what's even more exciting, I think, is when we realize that with one comes the other and that because it feels like the chaos is rising, it's only rising because the light is rising. The frequency is getting higher Um, there's more magic. And I I really feel as if the veil is getting thinner. And I say all of this, uh, something for me that's really important is that all of this talk stays grounded. Um, I've always had a shadow side myself to in the fear of getting too left of center or too far off into the weeds that it doesn't stay relatable and it doesn't stay grounded. And, uh, it's like a fantasy or it's like a distraction from what really is. And I think that AKA like spiritual bypass, right? Like we can get lost in the prettiness and in the loftiness and in the etherealness of uh, spirituality and higher thought. For me, it's really important to stay grounded though and tethered to my own physical form, my physical life, uh, what is actually happening here in this 3D world in order to um, really anchor in all of these higher realms into this earthly experience. So know that everything I'm saying uh, and bringing forward in this platform, my intention is for it to feel grounded. And while at the same time, we're going to go really high up into the ethers of uh, imagination um, and etherealness, which is one of my favorite uh, concepts, um, that just as much as we go out there and collect knowledge, uh, we are going to keep it ground. I'm going to keep bringing it back to you know, where are my feet right now in this moment? Like what's happening here right now in this physical, in this physical form to keep it grounded, right? To bring the magic up there and all around us and deep within us to bring it here into this time space continuum. Um, so I think it's important that we just like that. We're all reminded of the concept of with shadow comes the light and it truly, like I said, it's having the maturity in our vision to know What's what side to look at? And not that there's a good side and a bad side, but looking at the spectrum of the reality, if we even could know what reality is with our intellects, if we could, I once heard someone say like a human brain can't even fathom the re- what reality really is because they would implode into like a puff of static dust. It's just too much wattage for our human brains to process. And sure, definitely there is like a, that resonates for me somewhere that, uh, Life is just so grand and so big and so vast, the reality of what is, that I only get to know like a certain degree of it down here in this human experience. Um, And I recognize very clearly that even that statement alone could sound very esoteric and very abstract. So, uh, but that's why we're here, right? This is called the orbit of Venus. Uh, It's not called the orbit of Earth. I'm I'm, uh, trying to bring what's out there and bring it down here into, uh, into this. Okay, so now I want to do what I uh, set out to do initially with this um, uh, conversation and talk about the tools and the tips that I have been personally using to help calm these uh, anxious feelings or thoughts or just waves that I have been writing. And um, this, as you know by now, I feel like the entire collective has been writing uh, together. But I also 
wanted to, before I go into any of it, I just want to say that I deeply acknowledge that there are uh, some people that deal with anxiety on a much deeper level, and I'm very humbled to and present to the fact that there are, you know, so many different degrees of anxiety, and I honor all of them. Um, I know that anxiety is nothing to, to mess with and that it can be very real. And so first of all, I just want to acknowledge that and say that for me, um, this has, you know, helped me in my journey. You know, it may not have any effect for yours. Uh, I'm not a medical doctor. I mean, clearly I'm not a medical doctor. Uh, I'm sure you've gathered that by now. Um, so I'm just sharing through my own experience. Uh, so take what you like and um, if you feel called to and uh, leave the rest. Um, but I just really first like I just want to like tip my hat at people that do experience it because the small taste of it that I have had lately, I am I have been blown away at at the power it can have. Uh, even over, you know, someone like myself, who's like, Oh, yeah, I do all these daily practices and blah, 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 blah. But, but holy crap, like anxiety does not care that shit is not a moral issue. Um, and it doesn't, you know, like that shit is, uh, it's like being in a cage with a gorilla at times. So I fully respect everyone that's walking that right now and living that um, and kudos to you. And I think, for me, like something that's really been helping uh, through those like little anxious moments, which, you know, um, has been realizing that I'm not alone. And I know it sounds cliche. And if you're experiencing it at the depths right now, you might be like, this is, you know, this is so annoying to hear that, or it might not feel like what you want to hear, but, or it might not feel genuine, but knowing that we're all in this together and sometimes I forget that I'm not the only person in a rocky boat and that my situation is not unique. Um, my brain likes to tell me that I'm, you know, the most unique person here and that I'm experiencing it this way and I'm the only person that's ever experienced it this way and blah, blah, blah. Because uh, that's what my brain and anxiety wants me to do. It wants me to isolate and feel small and not reach out for help. So hopefully um, by me sharing this and just, you know, bringing a conversation to this within this move or within this world, people that I would assume a lot of you do kind of dabble with spiritual practices um, and all of it, I think sometimes we feel like we don't have the right to feel shitty or we don't have the, um, that, that like, we feel as if, um, like, why am I feeling depression or anxiety? Like I do all these things, like it doesn't make sense or whatever. Right. Um, but I also think that no one is immune to the human experience. I don't care who you are. So I, I really just want to normalize it, at least in this little tiny, uh, space that we're all in right now and help people, you know, a lot of people on here, I know that you are light workers and you, and that your job is helping other people and, you know, being an empath and all these things that we almost feel like we're not allowed to have our own, uh, um, shit storm as well. And so I just like want to say like, we're all in it together. And so that is what my intention was with this. Um, I don't care, you know, the higher up you go, the, the further you fall is what they say. So I'm always very uh, aware of 
when like my spiritual ego starts to creep in, it's like, oh, that's, that's some dangerous territory right, right there. That for me, that's like being on a ladder that's about to tip over. Um, and so it grounds me to get into my human experience and to not want to run away from, uh, you know, my embodiment and the things that keep me human, which anxiety is definitely one of them because nothing will like slap me in the face more than a wave of anxiety. So with that off my soapbox, um, Like I said in the intro, which if you haven't listened to, I I highly recommend episode one, the origin story of the orbit of Venus, because I go into a lot of uh, my own history with breath work and practices and and some of my own passions. And one of them is Kundalini yoga. Um, Bear with me. Like I said, if you haven't heard of what Kundalini yoga is, I promise I'm going to have some people. uh, I already have some people scheduled who are uh, masters of this realm who are going to come on and talk about it. But um, you can just Google it if it, you know, if it spikes your interest, but, um, or sparks your interest. But one of the techniques that I like to practice, uh, for me, breath work, it's like a game changer. Breath work, uh, is, is like this overarching life giving force. Like the breath, like, um, I like to use the analogy of the mind is like the kite and the breath is the string. And depending how we're breathing, like I just had to take a deep breath in and let it go because, we can oftentimes um, diagnose our emotions and our our mental state by by how we're, we are breathing. So in times when I am feeling anxious, I notice that naturally my breath is super shallow. Um, in times when I feel relaxed, like when I'm like slipping into a really deep sleep, or I'm taking a really nice bath, or maybe I am, you know on a mountainside, like looking at the ocean, my breath, it's a lot smoother and slower. Um, and so, but on the flip side, we have found yogic science has found and also, uh, Western science or maybe not even Western, but modern day science has found that we can actually manipulate our mind through the breath. And so it's not always that the breath is manipulating or that our mind is manipulating our breath that works as well, but that we can reverse engineer it and we can go in with our breath to get to kind of like steer our mind. So yeah, it's true, right? Like we all have a mind. And if, if you slip into that witness state, which is what I was talking about earlier, observing the mind, right? Like that little tiny, that little, little tiny, like uh, uh, witness space. It's like, that's just sitting there watching the whole, the whole play. Um, oftentimes the mind can just get unruly and it can want to fly around and take me on some crazy adventures. And if I'm not consciously uh, aware, I can, I can go with it. It's like a balloon just floating up in the sky with no string back down to earth. So I have found that by practicing a daily breathwork practice, uh, that it helps to kind of keep my mind tethered and more disciplined. And I say disciplined in the sense of uh, disciplined. Essentially, it's like a muscle that I have to shape and train. It's like going to the gym. You know, it takes time to build physical muscle. Well, the same with the mental realm, I think, as well. However, uh, I feel like I'm throwing a ton of stuff out at you guys right now, but um, you know, whatever, here we are. Um, with the law of the body is effort, right? So it's effort in the sense that if we want to get stronger, we have to physically work our body in certain ways to gain muscle, to gain stamina, etc. Um, the law of the mind is effortlessness. 
So if I tell you not to think about chocolate cake, the first thing that pops into your brain is chocolate cake. And if I like start to tell you even harder, do not think about it, the mind is going to think about it. Because the more effort you apply on your mind, the opposite reaction will happen. So that is why meditation is such a beautiful tool because meditation is simply effortlessness. And when we approach meditation with too much effort, um, you'll find that you have the reverse effect of what you were, you know, most likely intending with a meditation practice, which is, you know, relaxation and all of that expansiveness. So um, I'm saying all of that because for me, the breath work comes in and it's a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful bridge between the effort and the effortlessness. So there's a natural, there's a natural rhythm to our breath. And when we start to manipulate and alter our breath in certain rhythms, it has an effect on our, on, on our mental, on our emotional, on our spiritual. It just kind of like it just kind of takes care of it all. And there are certain cadences and rhythms and, and techniques and timings and technologies and all different paths that, um, that have shown us this. So full circle back to Kundalini. So there is a breath work, uh, or there is a meditation that you can even just Google it. It's called the one minute breath Kundalini, uh, yoga and Kundalini is spelled K U N D A L I N I. Um, L-I-N-I. I I don't know why I felt called to spell that out for you, but I know that that might sound like a very foreign word to some people. So Google the one minute breath. Don't even worry about what Kundalini is right now. So the one minute breath is a very ancient technique that was taught thousands and thousands of years ago in the Sikh tradition um, initially. But I actually believe that these techniques are even older than that. I think that they are religionless. I think that it's just uh, that, you know, breath work uh, for me, it's like... um, yeah, gosh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's like the, it's like the Holy grail of, um, of learning how to master our minds is breath. So, uh, it's a sacred tool is what I'm trying to get at. So one minute breath, this breath is especially was taught to warriors, uh, back long, long time ago. And I'm going to botch the, the history of this, but I'll give you like the cliff notes version. So this breath was taught to warriors, uh, in India, thousands and thousands of years ago and but they were not just warriors they were also elite yogis so they were they were uh these humans that were very very much dialed into the uh, etheric realms and meditation and um equilibrium with their with their minds and at the same time they had to be warriors on the battlefield and they were some of the most deadly warriors on the battlefield so be, and they and they would practice this one minute breath every day and it, and it is said to keep your mind so stable so centered so still and so they would practice this breath so at the same time they were like these peaceful warriors but also deadly warriors which i feel like in the modern day you have to have you have to have that dimension to you uh you will get run over in this world if you are nothing but like a peace like a peaceful fairy, just like I say the word fairy lightly, but like, uh, you know, my observation is that there has to be a boundary around our field in the modern day. We have to have this armor of uh, force around us. Otherwise, we're going to get trampled because we are in such fast times right now. That is why I love Kundalini Yoga because Kundalini Yoga is like this technology and the science of like the warrior. It is like these peaceful warriors because you know, as, as times speed up, our mind speeds up and everything elevates. And we kind of have to be these multidimensional beings in order to survive. Um, 
and stay sane, right? <laughs> um, stay sane, stay balanced, and to stay uh, sober uh, to the, like the fear waves, and to stay and to stay like to not get drunk on fear is what I'm trying to say, and to stay sober on the truth. Um, and we all have our own truths. I'm, I'm aware of that, but I find that this. This technology, I say technology because truly, like, uh, this is a technology. These these practices are ancient and uh, at the same time, like, hyper-futuristic. And they meet you where you're at today. And I freaking love it because they're multidimensional. So back to the one-minute breath. So the one-minute breath, it's a great technique to keep you calm during our fast-changing uh, times. And it was taught to these warriors, and I feel like we are all our own warrior in the modern day, right? Like, we have to have a certain level of of, uh, of that mentality, I think, to effortlessly go through the world um, or to move through the world. I don't necessarily know if effortlessness uh, um, is the right word. But so the benefits are... Um, it balances out your brain hemispheres. Um, it dramatically calms anxiety, fear, and worry. Um, and it kind of, it really just opens up your brain and it allows you to feel openness with, with your spirit, with your heart. And it really just kind of like blasts like all of the cobwebs of your mind out. And at least that's been my experience. Um, and it also, um, it basically, it balances out the frontal hemispheres of the brain. So my experience when I first started this breath was I was like, holy crap, like after I'll, I'll, I'll go through how to do it. But after the first, uh, you're supposed to do it 11 minutes a day and you can, and they recommend doing it in cycles. So committing to 11 minutes a day for 40 days. Um, and my experience when I first started practicing this was after 11 minutes, I, it was as if these thoughts that were so sticky to me earlier, these fears, uh, pre the sitting down to the, to do this meditation. Um, it was like, I couldn't capture these thoughts. It was like, they were just falling off of my brain. Uh, it was like, um, I, it was as if they were just dropping, like there was nothing for them to stick to. It was like my, the breath came in, uh, like washed it all out or cleared it all out. And then all of this, uh, dust and, and just like shit that it was like floating in my brain just kind of like fell off and it just went away. Um, and so, you know, I, I, every time I, uh, uh, share this breath with men, I find that men are super drawn to it. And it's interesting because when I learned the lineage and the history behind this breath, that it was actually given to warriors, there's a very like masculine quality to this breath or to this practice, which I think, you know, like we're, we're all about moving back into the, the feminine space. And that is what this platform is. But even more so, I feel that if we are going to be moving back into these feminine realms and balancing it, we have to have balance, right? So we do need the masculine side, the more, um, and I say masculine, not based on gender, but you know, when you look at the sun and the moon, I would view the sun as a more masculine presence and the moon as a more feminine presence or alpha omega, uh, beyond gender. It's like, you know, there's, there's light and then there's glow or etc. So I find that this to be a very, uh, sun practice, a very, I say sun, meaning like the actual sun, um, uh, a very masculine practice. And I find that when we get our, uh, masculine side in balance, our feminine will naturally meet that because that's what we do. So, 
Um, how you do the practice now that I've talked it up, uh, to be like, it's the, uh, the winning lottery ticket is you sit down. So just take like, um, this practice will take 11 minutes. And so you sit comfortably for 11 minutes and it might think like, holy shit, 11 minutes. I don't have 11 minutes, but guaranteed you probably do. (laughs) Um, I know that, you know, take 11 minutes out of your Instagram scrolling time or wake up 11 minutes earlier or go to bed 11 minutes later. I promise Uh, even if it's just for one day, give me one day and try it. So you sit down, you just allow your breath, you sit down in a comfortable space, but make sure that you're sitting up and not lying down. Um, and for me, I, I, I like to take like a minute or so just to let my breath calm down. I just like find my center, uh, closing your eyes and what the, the recipe for the breath essentially is it's 11 one minute breaths. And so it's inhaling. So I take my alarm or or I take my phone stopwatch and, um, I, I, I hit start on the stopwatch and you inhale for 20 seconds. You slowly inhale. So a deep like belly breath and take it in slowly for 20 seconds. Then you hold for 20 seconds. You, you know, you abstain the breath, just hold it, pause, and then you exhale slowly for 20 seconds. And you repeat that 11 times and that's it. That's the one minute breath 11 times. At first, let me tell you, it sounds easy, but holy shit, this shit is hard uh, because we're not, we're not used to breathing like that. Um, I mean, most likely I pro- you know, we breathe maybe like 20 times a, a minute or more, like, you know, it, it depends. But the science of this breath is that when we, when we start to slow down our breath like that, and we really just slow it down, our whole, our whole, like our whole, um, structure of our mind changes and stuff really starts to slow down. And I find that it is so medicinal for our brains, which are stuck in this like hamster wheel motion constantly, right? It's the human state. It's the human existence that that is what our mind is great at, at moving forward processing information. And this is literally like taking our brain and slowing it down. And then it has a ripple effect throughout our physical, our emotional, our mental. And it's just like a little 11 minute bath in slowing down so that we can have more space and that we can have more clarity. Um, I will say that at first, like when I first sat down to do this breath and, you know, I practice breath work every day for the last 15 years. So I thought like, oh, I can do this. No problem. It's hard. (laughs) So I was only able to do inhaling for 10 seconds, holding for 10, exhaling for 10. So I would do a two minute or I would do a two breath minute, if that makes sense. So find increments as long as they're equal. Maybe it's inhale for five, hold for five, exhale for five and repeat that in the 11 minute span, um, working your way up eventually to, if you practice this daily, you will eventually get yourself up to 20 second inhale, hold for 20 seconds, exhale for 20. It takes some time. It's like some endurance and stamina that you have to build in and your elasticity of your lungs. It will quickly adapt. Um, this is also a phenomenal breath for the immune system. So this will clean your blood. Um, it, it really just helps to like, uh, if when we're breathing deeply, we are adding more oxygen to our brains, to our blood system, like, like to our body. And, you know, oxygen is a great, uh, immune boost, um, immune booster. Um, 
So there's that. And um, so Yogi Bhajan, the uh, the yogi that brought this breath to the West, he I'll just read you some, some beautiful little uh, nuggets of wisdom that he spoke about this breath. And sometimes, uh, mind you, he spoke a little bit... Uh, like hyperbolic, but um, I found that the essence of what what he says to describe these 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 meditations and breathing techniques are pretty spot on. Um, so let's see. He says, on average, you breathe twenty to twenty five breaths per minute. In good health, you breathe ten times a minute, and a mentally balanced person breathes seven to nine breaths per minute. Fewer than that, and you are a yogi. So again, it just kind of goes to show, like we can oftentimes diagnose uh, ourselves or others by how we're breathing. Um, Let's see. Uh, So 20 seconds to inhale, 20 seconds to hold, 20 seconds to let it out. It takes one minute. And if you practice 11 to 31 minutes, your blood itself will become a warrior against disease, Um, which is what I was speaking about. This breath is great for the immune system, which I feel like uh, without saying it, I feel like this is a great time to boost our immune systems in general um, because of the stress level that oftentimes, you know, our anxiety or stress can have an effect, as we all know. Um, he says, if you practice one minute breath for 11 minutes a day, you can be in total control of your mind. Um, let's see. So it just it just goes on and on. You can Google it. There are a lot of... Um, He says, if you want things to be done for you so you don't have to do anything, then you must breathe from one to five or six breaths per minute. If you can practice that, then you can attract the universe to you. It's no secret. It's a simple thing. The longer and deeper your breath is, the more psyche, the more your psyche attracts everything to you. It's a way to prosperity. So um, it's true, right? Like when we are nothing but frequency and energy and when when we charge ourselves up with breath, with uh, life force, which breath to me is the number one way to do it, we charge our field, our electricity, our magnet, right? So there's that. So I find that this this breath has been uh, awesome, and I, I, I really can't say enough about it. Um, and I encourage uh, everyone to try, at, at least just for one day, and then reach out and let me know how it went or if you have any questions. But All right, guys, so I'm going to wrap this up because I was literally just sitting here talking and I shut my computer and I was just still talking into my microphone. So I feel like uh, that is that is a weird uh, sign for me to wrap this up. So um, thank you for tuning in today. Like I said, I I wasn't really expecting to have this long of a conversation, but um, yeah, I hope that wherever you are uh, right now that... um, you know, a message that just keeps coming through and through to me is that no matter how crazy everything gets or feels, right, that uh, we're not alone, number one. A lot of us are feeling this together. The uncertainty is real, um, but also that underneath all of this chaos and madness, as it appears, that there are equal parts magic that are just right below the surface and that, um, yeah, that we all have the capability, the tools, uh, the availability just to kind of tap below, just below the surface. And we will be met with a true magic. And um, that I think is, you know, some of the greatest art uh, of of all time comes out of periods of total chaos and um, 
uncertainty and uh, I feel like when the fear is up there's also extreme magic up so just don't forget like when we start to see these things rise recognize like oh this is a great sign that there's also really good things on the rise as well Um, and to trust just to trust so um, thank you so much for tuning in Uh, If you want to know more about what's going on in this world of the Orbit of Venus, you can follow us uh, at the Orbit of Venus on Instagram. You can visit theorbitofvenus.com. And most importantly, my humble request is that you uh, give us a rating below and that you subscribe to us to kind of put us and elevate us uh, on a bigger map. So lots of love. I hope that you are having a beautiful day wherever you are. And until we meet again. Mm -hmm.